Kamenetsky Brothers Podcast, ESPN LA, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. It is Friday. We're heading into the weekend. The Lakers are home from their uh, road trip, Andy, where they went two and two on a road trip where, quite frankly, a lot of people were thought they might not win or yeah. maybe might win one game, you know, maybe this was Charlotte a diffi- or whatever. This was a difficult road trip. Started out in Philly, then they went to Charlotte, and Charlotte is not a great team, but they're very good at home. Yeah, but I mean, they're, they were- they're good at home, but they are on a bit of a tragic run. At the time when we were prognosticating. Right, they, they it, were, was, it hadn't were, happened yet. Yeah, right. they were good at home, and then the Knicks, at the very least, have been good at home, and they're a decent team, and then Cleveland is Cleveland. They are absolutely rolling everyone at the moment. So this was, and on top of it too, it's important to remember, and this is maybe to me what's most encouraging about this road trip beyond just them playing well. The Lakers were coming off a five game losing streak. So it was right. very easy to picture this road trip, which is part of a December that is a really difficult schedule, like the beginning of a downward spiral. And, you know, it didn't happen. They, they came out in that first game and they, you know, they obviously they had the Brandon Ingram three pointer to win it. And then they go into Charlotte and they, they take a game that was competitive and they close. That was one of the best closing yes. quarters. They may, may be the best one they've had all year. Um, and you go into New York and they certainly could have won that game, but they pushed it into overtime. And, you know, it was certainly obviously a competitive game. And in Cleveland, look, let's be honest. I mean, it, I got the impression from LeBron. LeBron had, I think, 25, 12 and 12. Yes. And I'm fairly sure he was making like, dinner reservations during the game and you Cleveland I think understood they were going to win that game but the Lakers the Lakers kept it interesting right they never took the opportunity to fold that Cleveland was constantly giving them I, I think and they made them play 48 minutes I, I, I was just about to say the Lakers never let them relax like I don't think Cleveland was ever worried that they'd lose the game nor should they have been but the Lakers never allowed them to at any point I think legit coast and because, as everybody knows, this game was an audition for the courtship of LeBron James, right. the king, next summer, this this went to me as a recruitment game about as well as it jumping possibly, right into it, yeah. About as well, well, let's be honest about what matters. <laughs> it's the only thing. I mean, does, does anybody really want to break down to this Luke game? Luke Walton was proud of the way the team played. All right, here we go. Hey, do you want to use the zone? No, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, I took the time to cut it up, but no, it's fine. This was about as good a recruitment game as they could have possibly had because when you look at the young players on this team, whether you're talking about from Brandon Ingram, who is, I think, probably their best young player at the moment, all the way down to Josh Hart, who ended up getting an unexpected start with uh, KCP out for personal reasons mm-hmm. that thus far have not been disclosed. They re- currently remain personal. Every Every young player played well. Ingram had a really good game. Lonzo played well. In the first half, he was putting on a passing clinic. Kuzma had 20 points off the bench with seven rebounds. Larry Nance Jr., 12 rebounds, a lot of good hustle, a lot of good defense. You know, if Julius Randle happens to be part of this ride moving forward, he played well. Played very well. And again, Josh Hart, 11 points, 10 rebounds, and some really good defense, including some possessions matched up against LeBron. I just, you know... We, I, I was on with yesterday with, uh, with Steve and Mason in Ireland. And, you know, obviously LeBron James is not in December going to walk into this arena, you know, in Cleveland and go, look, tonight I'm going to make my choice about the Lakers based on what I see here right now. Obviously that's not going to happen. He doesn't, and he said this a, a thousand times. I don't have to make a decision until 
the the summertime because whatever I want to do in the summertime, yeah. I'll be able to do. Nothing has nothing has to happen now. But to the extent that the Lakers are players in this whole thing, and we'll get into that in a little bit, um, you know, that debate as to how much they actually are. LeBron's going to watch Brandon Ingram. He's going to watch Lonzo. He's going to see them on TV. He's going to look at the tape. He loves watching basketball. He's a, uh, you know, a basketball junkie and all that kind of stuff. But it's, if you buy a car and you look at it online and you buy a piece of clothing, whatever it is, it's different when you're up close and you, you open, you feel what the leather really feels like and, you know, the, how the door sounds when it closes. There's all kinds of little stuff LeBron James is going to look at with Lonzo particularly, I think. Uh, because he's really the most fundamental piece to, if I come here, do I have to do less work and extend my career out and preserve myself with the playoffs? Can Lonzo be the guy who runs an offense while I take a back seat sometimes to, to preserve myself? Took me a second. Is that Motorhead? Like, that was Motorhead. Nice. R.I.P. Lemmy. I, was like, I don't think I hit the button. Um, <laughs> that's nice work, CJ. <laughs> so it's like, you know, he all the stuff that LeBron is going to do to kick the tires and feel the leather and slam the door and open the glove compartment, all that. That's all the little stuff that you can only see up close. And I find it hard to believe, based on you know what we what you just talked about in terms of how well these guys played, that they didn't pass the audition. Oh, absolutely. I don't think that means he's coming. But it means if he's going to entertain L.A., he saw things out of this game that he would find encouraging. Like if if this was dating, even casual dating, I think he'd accept a second date. He's, I, he I think swiped, go, he swiped right. He swiped right. I think is that the good one? I think. I don't so. know. I don't know. We've been out of this game for a while. <laughs> he swiped, especially by the way, if our wives are listening. Right. He swiped the direction you swipe if you think a girl is pretty. Right. Yeah. You know, he he swiped the way that's encouraging. And, you know, like you said, he's not, he's not going to make up his mind either way. I mean, I guess unless they were just absolutely disastrous. Well, look, he disastrous. did, he did do that. I guess that's possible. Like, I mean, if it was a bleep show, I mean, just a LeBron, like Lonzo's just heaving the ball with two hands into the I mean, ninth just row. a bleep show. Then, you know, he may not make up his mind off that, but he's going to be very close minded moving forward. But he is on a, I don't care what he says. He's on a fact-finding mission. Yeah. He's gathering he just, intel as well he should be. It's You see things in person that you can't see on TV, yeah. that you can't get through talking to people, whatever. Now, that said, and we'll get back to Lonzo here in a second. Let's just go ahead and, and keep going this way. I put it in – I, I kind of divide this stuff into buckets. And if you look at the reporting that's been oh, done – Wait, wait, but wait but, before we even get to that, what? Brian, we got to get to the conversation. No, but I, we are, but – Oh, you you want to hear uh, like when they're? Well, I just I figured. Say something. I want to put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. So here's what LeBron said. I, ju- I just figured before right. we start breaking down whether well, all this is possible, it's all part we, of the right. We should it's get into part, part the conversation. Yeah, well, that's fine. Um, so after the game, it's the order I had in my head, bro. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we still could have gotten there, but if we could go your way. Um, after the game, LeBron and, and Lonzo meet. And LeBron, because he is aware that everything, that there are professional lip readers out there, does the thing where he, like a football coach calling a play with mm-hmm. the play chart in front of him, pulls his uniform up over his mouth to talk to Lonzo and, um, has a conversation, gives him a little, you know, hug and a dap or whatever and they go. <laughs> whatever the kids what, are doing. Whatever they did. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what they did. 
<laughs> I mean, I, I it was not I was going to throw a joke out there, but I can't. It's not know. a firm handshake. <laughs> they looked each other in the eyes with a little wink. I don't know. They bro hug. Mm-hmm. I forget exactly what they did. Uh, afterwards, LeBron was asked what he said to young Lonzo. These young Laker guys, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, finding consistency, gaining confidence. We saw you had a moment with Lonzo there. What did you have to say to him? Uh, I didn't tell him anything. I didn't tell him anything. It's not for everybody. There's enough noise out there already with Zoe, and uh, it's not for me to discuss. Uh, but, you know, he has a bright future, like I said the other day in my quotes. And, uh, you know, they got a bunch of young guys, and they don't stop running, I'll tell you that. So it's a good way for us. He said, he said something to him. He yeah. didn't say nothing. So, you know, all right. So it's and, not and, for us. And the clips of this discussion have been basically turned into the NBA's version of the Sabruder. Oh, thing. right. This is all very back I, into I, the Oh, last night I, I kept listening over and over trying to see if I could pick up something. The only thing I thought that I heard, and this is reckless, reckless speculation founded on nothing, so here we go. Um, it sounded to me like I heard outside noise. But then later, some somebody on Reddit, which is always reliable, <laughs> uh, apparently picked up another mic and, and said that it was white noise, and, and they transcribed reportedly the conversation uh, that was said between them. Oh, again, this is according. And what did it say? I'm finding it right now. This is uh, according to a uh, a Reddit fella. Pulling it up. Keep talking. Could have had that ready to go. <laughs> I, I I just remembered. I'm going to tell you how to do your job. Well, no, but it's also it's because all I heard when there was was it's also moving slowly was. Remax, <laughs> Redfin. Yeah, was, what I kept uh, when I was trying to read his lips, all I saw was, "Does he ever shut the bleep up?" Yeah. Does, no, really, does he ever well, shut the? Here's bleep what up? Lonzo said that LeBron said. I noticed LeBron grabbed you after the game on the court. What did he say to you? He didn't tell me anything. Just said good game and kind of slapped hands. That's it. Nothing. What was it like playing against him? You've seen him, of course, but to actually first play- rule of LeBron talk: do not talk about LeBron talk. Okay, well now here's uh, that was uh, Spectrum Sports and the previous clip TNT. So I'm looking at NBCSports.com, and according to uh, their post, a microphone picked up most of the conversation. Hat tip to Reddit user ID dash three, who, to the best of my knowledge, is not a credentialed member of the media. Find your zone and just stay bleeping locked in. The media is going to ask you what I told you right now. Tell them nothing. Just be aggressive every single day. It's white noise to you. That's all it is, all right? Let's go. And that's when he gave him the pat, which I, does support my outside noise. Yeah, yeah, it's in there. I, I would have really would have been awesome if he was like, the falcon has landed. <laughs> the fat man walks eastward with the polar bear. Speak nothing of this conversation. I'm under indictment. <laughs> <laughs> I need help. When Robert Mueller comes to speak to you. Say nothing. But and by the way, too, I, and I think this speaks to Lonzo's just sort of. I, I think he's a pretty mature kid, especially everything going on around him. I doubt he needed to be told, "Don't tell him nope, anything." But just in case, just Brian in case. grabbed you after the game on the court. What did he say to you? He didn't tell me anything. Nothing. Just said good game. And- nothing. 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 Didn't say a damn thing. I don't know why we stood there that long. But you know what, though, I, what I did though like about that moment was a LeBron was clearly seeking out Lonzo. He wanted to find him and. I mean, it's obviously fun to read into what that conversation means the next summer. Yes, I mean, he's that's coming. What, right. It means he's obviously <laughs> he's, he's coming. He's obviously coming. But you could read into it respect. Yeah, look, look, I, I, the, the days of, you know, that Michael Thompson longs for where everybody hated everyone else and they, they, they don't explain, exchange, exchange the pleasantries and, and all that. That's all over. I mean, the, we are, to use a cliched term, we are deep into the game respects game 
era. And, you know, LeBron obviously is a, he knows he's sort of the godfather right now in the league. And he knows what it means when you have young players that he respects and, you know, and, and what it means to get that kind of respect from a player like LeBron. Good for him for, for a stop. You know, he also understands more than anybody what, what Lonzo's, Lonzo's going through. What Lonzo's going through. Um, you know, and it's, it's just one of these things and you can divide it up in a couple different ways. And I, cause I have a question about the free agency stuff, um, and who might be the people that they fill in, assuming, by the way, again, they don't actually have two max slots yet. Uh, but if they get there, um, that we'll get to, but when you look at the, the, the tea leaves here and you're trying to figure it out, you know, Windhorst and Ramona, Momo and Windy, as I call them, um, <laughs> reported that in that, they used really- to open for the captain in Tanisha. <laughs> Momo and Windy. Um, I'd pay to watch that. I would totally. Pay I to would watch absolutely that. pay to watch the Captain and Tennille version of Momo and Windy. Completely. Yes. It's never going to happen. <laughs> Probably not. No. Windy in particular doesn't seem likely <laughs> no. to no. to agree to that sort no. of thing. No. Um, very nice man. Yeah. Not as whimsical as you, as you might. Might suspect. Certainly not as much. Not as you whimsical need to... enough for that. Well, I was going to say as whimsical as you need to be to be the captain. Right. <laughs> that requires. Like I think Momo, a certain amount. Of... I think Momo would be Tennille. I think, sure. I think you could roll with that. You could get Momo to be Tennille. It's harder to picture yeah. Wendy as the captain. Right. And to be fair, it doesn't make him to not want to be the captain. No. Doesn't necessarily mean you're a stick in the mud. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's space in between there. Yes. Um. So anyway, but like you know, they reported that the Lakers are currently a long shot and. We can agree or disagree, but I kind of divide this up into 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 buckets. Like you have your destinations all together. Like okay, categorize them this way: stay at home, Cleveland, great. And he's got somebody there theoretically in Isaiah Thomas. We keep forgetting is coming. Who, if that works, can take some of the pressure off of him in terms of handling the ball and whatever. If you want a ready-made team, that's Houston. That's Chris Paul. Go play with James Harden, and obviously those guys. I mean, he LeBron can sit in a beach chair for half the game and you can see what Houston's doing right now. And then there are the potential teams. It's Philly and it's LA. Yeah. And Philly is further ahead in that thing as as well as Lonzo uh, I think has played overall this season and we'll get you know we can touch back on on how he played on the road trip. I think it was very encouraging. And Ingram's been great. Yes. They're still not And Kuzma. And Kuzma's been great. You, you, it's easy to forget him, but it's they're still not Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. No. Because Joel Embiid is already, if you're, if you're willing to just say, okay, I think Joel Embiid will stay healthy, he's a top 15 player in the league now. He might even be a top 10 guy. Oh, I think he might even be a top 8 guy. Yeah. And so, you don't have to, you know, and, and, and that's to say nothing of guys like Covington or Sarge right. or Markel Fultz, Fultz when he eventually comes back. So if he wants, there's no, there's no question that Philly is a little further along in this process. And no. you stay in the East where you don't have to go through right. the Warriors to get to the finals. If he wants to come to LA, ultimately I think it's going to be because he says, okay, I can bring somebody else with me. And I think these guys are going to be pretty good for the next couple Nerlens of years. Noel, we'll be really, apparently. Right. We'll be, we'll be <laughs> stupid rumors. But by the way, okay, before we get to this real quick, that though raises a really interesting thought experiment. Just the idea of how badly do you want LeBron? Oh, if, I'd take, if it meant taking on Nerlens Noel, you take on like Nerlens Noel. In a, like say, you know, like a three to four year deal. Yes. Nerlens Noel, who it should be pointed out, is a Rich Paul client. Right. Do you, you would take on Nerlens Noel to get LeBron James? Of course. Yes, 
He has not been very good. He's not even playing. That's a, for a terrible team. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm aware. I don't know if I'd do that. I actually don't, I don't know if I would do that. I, I would. You know why? Because then you have, then you have to play him. <laughs> then you have to do all sorts of stuff. I don't stuff. know if you have to. I mean, I guess maybe you have to work out those details. But I mean, I just the concept. Of, I guess if you if, don't have to pay him, I'd I mean, bring play James him. Jones out of retirement again. <laughs> if that's but he's you not. Know. I mean. But and pay him. I'm just saying it's it's an interesting. It is experiment. like how many how many pieces of dead weight would you add if LeBron was making you? I yes. mean, I, okay. I mean, we can we could play that game as the year goes along. Sure. But you know, so but if he wants to come to L.A., ultimately, it's just it's a I can be competitive enough because any team I'm on is a playoff team and and can challenge and these guys are pretty good and we'll be all right. Ultimately, I just want to get off the airplane in February. And not have my car be cold and not have to put on a jacket. And yes, don't at me. I know he's got a heated car and I know they drive it right up to the airplane. And you understand what I mean? Yeah. It's a lifestyle thing. Sure. It's just, I, I want to go outside. I just want to be in Southern California. And if LeBron James is capable of insulating himself from the effects of dreary, cold winters as well as any human being. It's just a matter of not wanting to do it anymore. Right. It just, I, if you live out here, you get it. It's just it's a different way of doing it than it is in the Midwest, than it is in the Northeast, and all that kind of stuff. If he's not ready for that, or if he's just like, I'm going to be 34 next year, I have seven, you know, 40 years of my life to live that way. Plus, I live out here in the offseason. I, I was anyway. going to say every single offseason where you know probably, he's going to be living, then he's probably not coming unless these guys make the leap. Or, and let me get you this, and then we'll get back to Lonzo. The other big game this week was OKC going back to Indiana. Indiana, here they come. Jackson 5. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. I, I, I'm not saying you should have laughed. You just you look like you didn't get it. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> didn't find it funny, I understand. Didn't get it. No, no, no. I, I, okay, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's cool. I get it. <laughs> you You miss 100% of the shots you don't take, Andy. Yes. <laughs> sometimes, but then sometimes you just shouldn't take them because you're not very good at shooting. Sometimes they're outside your range. Yeah, <laughs> they're just not very good shots. Very quick in the clock. Yeah, early. <laughs> <laughs> I was going for the two for one there. Probably should have just waited. <laughs> you forgot um, you're up twenty. <laughs> guys, we're trying to bleed some clock here. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> so Paul George goes back to Indiana, and he, you know, they the Thunder win that game. Uh, George is like, all right. No, he did not play well. Eh, he wasn't even all right. Eh, he did not eh. play well. But overall, he's been all right. You know, he's averaging 20 points a game. The team's struggling. He's averaging about 20 points a game, but it's like PER is down, his efficiency is down. All this stuff, which you could look at and you could say, is that related to, is that because he's, you know, playing up there now? Is they're having trouble? Or... Is Paul George someone you want to give $200 million to? Because if you start to look through it, and he's a really good player, are you as excited now at the prospect, understanding also, too, that the Lakers are going to be bringing somebody with him, I, you know, in theory? Are you are you stoked at the idea of giving him that kind of money? Because you 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 only get to shoot these bullets once or the Lakers hope twice. And if you don't get all the way to where you need to get, if Paul George gets you to a six seed and you can't get further, 
Is he the kind of is he a top twenty guy, a top fifteen guy? I think he's still, I mean, top I'm will, ten guy. I'm willing to look at the body of Paul George's work, and if twenty points a game and forty percent from three, and almost two and a half steals a game, which is leading the league, if that represents hand wringing, I'll wring my hands. Yeah, I mean, I'm it's just pretty, but it, pretty it's, damn good. It's worth asking, though. No, I mean, it's worth asking because, just because. But you it's see pretty it now, damn you good. You see it now how hard it is to build one of these teams and how hard it is to get good and what happens if you give all your money to a guy who just isn't quite good enough, particularly if you don't end up getting LeBron, who changes the equation on everyone around him. You know, it's just, you get, it can get really squeamish. Like the idea, I certainly wouldn't trade for him right now though. I wouldn't give up assets to get him. Well, here's the interesting question. I guess if you're trying to figure that out with Paul George, cause he, I mean, we can all agree he's really good. He's a really good player. He's either, he's not in the, the KD, LeBron, Russ. Steph, Russ. But um, he's just below. He's, where is he in that group of the next tier down of DeMarcus? Lillard, DeMarcus, who's increasingly playing. If DeMarcus weren't a little crazy, he'd be, his sure. play is putting him and in he's the top never, group He's right never now. been on a lot of good teams where, where you get never a good sample. Never on a side. lot of good teams. But I'm just saying like. Team USA is the only one. But where is he, where is Paul George in that he's group? In, he's in there. Somewhere I, in there? He's in there. Okay. And I would say probably on the upper end of it because he actually plays defense in a way that I love Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard does Doesn't not play, play defense like that. like that. You know, Paul George is a really well-rounded player. But here's the question I would ask. Do you think there's a chance that in two years, Brandon Ingram could be better than Paul George. Because if he could be better than Paul George, and Paul George is your number two, then maybe you're really going somewhere. Particularly if Kuzma and Lonzo continue to develop. I mean, well, I don't know about two years, but I think in that by the end of a five, presumably a five-year contract yeah. with Paul George. Two to three years. They could switch. Sure. George is going to be better next year than Ingram. But by the end of that contract, Ingram could be better than George. But then, are, basically, what I'm what I'm asking do you do you turn yourself into the Indiana Pacers? Probably not, because you also have Lonzo's growth and whatever else they might add, and Kuzma and and some. I was just the way that it's been going in Oklahoma City this year with the mix of stars, whatever. At the very, it it, it begs the question at least a little bit. But the second question is, it's not even a question; it's really a reminder of. You have to be careful how you put these super teams together. You do have to be careful, although you're also the same guy that was going to give a max deal to Nerlens Noel. Because it comes with LeBron. No, I understand that, that, but but then then you're locked into basically that combination. But except, you know what it is though, but Nerlens Noel almost is incidental to it. It's just like you're just paying more to LeBron that he's donating to someone else because you don't have to figure out how to use No, Nerlens. I get that, but but then that space is accounted for but it is, at that but, point. But that's not my my point is on the court. The problem Oklahoma City is having on the court is that and this is a stupid hypothetical to go too far down, but the point is the three of those guys on the court are a super team that's having trouble working in any kind of way. I think over the last 40 games there's a good chance they could figure it out. Um, well, but it is a cautionary tale. You know, if you're going to have a, a max guy, you're almost that doesn't fit. You're almost better off having it be Nerlens Noel that you're just paying a lot of money to and you don't have to play. Well, the Lakers would disagree with that theory with uh, Timofey Mozgov and Lou Alden. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say. I think they'd say your theory. Right, but they don't have. A, but they. But if if Mozgov came with LeBron, it would have been different. No, I understand that, but I mean. I guess the way I look at it is, in part with Paul George, I mean, like, the only thing that's really down, like, significantly with him this year 
is his overall field his goal percentage. Yeah. His overall. I mean, it, you know, again, from three, he's shooting really well. It's overall. And some of that, I think, has to do with just how screwed up what they're trying to do with the big three um, is going right now. But also, too, like you were saying, like they might figure it out. A lot of this, to me, with OKC is simple. They just won't do it. Like, it's play. It's, it's stagger the guys. Stagger, play. Mello should off come bench. off the bench. No question. They sh- they should at the very least. And I'm shocked Billy Donovan doesn't do this. I'm shocked he doesn't stagger those three more. Because I remember when when they got Mello and you and I were doing a show right after talking about this. One of the reasons I thought OKC would actually figure this out relatively quickly and be really good around this uh, around this period is I was thinking there's not necessarily as much to figure out. Because you you don't have to play all three of them at the same time all the time, right? And Billy Donovan is insistent on it. There's there's too many. At the very least, there's too many of those minutes. And you look at it, you break it down, the, particularly the with George a bench that we- can't score. Yeah, the George Westbrook minutes where those guys are on the floor together have actually been pretty good. Yeah, like that that team performs pretty well. Yes, the three of them together have not. But I just I don't get it when you're looking. You know that you gave up all this depth to get. Paul George, and then you get mellow, and depth was going to be your problem, particularly coming off the bench. And you look, I mean, their best bench scorer now is Jeremy Grant. He's averaging not even eight points a game. You know, guys like Patrick Patterson, you know, they're good players, but they're Ray Felton, but they're not guys that you can count on for scoring off no. the bench. Why on earth they're not sprinkling and, in this big three with them? I don't get it. It also just makes it easier for the big three to yes. you know, do because there's less time for them to have to figure it All out. All you together. have to do is yeah. make it so they play together at the beginning, then play together at the end, and that's it. And for the life of me, I don't understand why they don't do that. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how that goes there. But, I mean, obviously the way things have been playing out in Oklahoma City, if you are still – and I, I am still a, a believer in, yeah, Paul George is – Certainly, it's like it's also too. It's like okay, if not Paul George, who? Right. Um, at some point, you start getting into the enemy of good is better. Right. And I mean, you're just not going to everybody's do much everybody's than expensive. That. Um, every you know, if you're right. going to get anybody any good at all, they're going to be expensive. And there's only like four guys in the league who can change a team's fortune by themselves, and they're all accounted for except LeBron. Mm-hmm. And LeBron with Paul George sounds like something that could work. Oh yeah. Um, that those two guys seem like they would, but you know what I mean. Sense. Like at some point, you're going to have to. No, no question. Especially you, you with got, you can't be, you can't. You already moved be, D'Angelo Russell, right? And you're probably going to have to move another guy to make. If you really are going to get the space for this, you're going to have to move at least one more of these dudes, right? Um, nah, we got plenty of time for that. Um, let's talk about Lonzo though a little bit because on the trip he averaged eleven eleven point two seven point two eight point five. Mm-hmm. Um, had a four block game defensively. Yes, had three games with at least two blocks or more. He shot, and this is important, forty five percent from the floor. He had uh, no game worse than forty percent. That was a game. Uh, I think it was the Nick game where he only took five shots overall. Over his last six, six or seven games, his shot is right around forty percent. Forty percent isn't great. No, but. The gap, the difference between Lonzo at 28% and Lonzo at 39.5% in terms of like here going forward. Massive. Is incredible. Most, I mean, look, 40% obviously big picture is not good enough. Most rookies. rookies. Dennis Smith Jr. is having a really nice year with Dallas. He's averaging almost 20 points a game. Shooting under 40%. Most rookies struggle with shooting. Particularly guards. Yeah, most rookies struggle with shooting. 
Like 40% would be kind of typical for a rookie. And if he can do that, 40, 40% Lonzo, the Lonzo that was getting to the basket, that was effective like he was in this, um, on the road trip, he was aggressive. He was really aggressive in Cleveland. I thought he was really aggressive in, um, in Philly in terms of just pushing the action. That guy can control the way that a game is played and have an enormously positive impact on what's going on without putting up 20 shots a game or without scoring 17 or 18 points a night. If he's a threat and he is around 40, you know, finish being able to finish well enough at the basket, being able to be guarded from the perimeter, that guy's going to have a, it's, the rest of the season is going to be great. That's really the, I think, it's as high as he needs to get to start really seeing the difference. I, I was going to say, and also, too, for people to start focusing on what he does well. Yes. Because if you remove shooting, and shooting obviously matters. I mean, it matters both for the impact with your stats, impact on the team, but also just it's going to affect the way other teams defend you. But if he's shooting well enough, people are going to start focusing on how well he rebounds, mm-hmm. how his defense has been much better than I expected it would much be. Much better than anybody expected. How he reads passing lanes extremely The way you well. push him, I mean, look, last night was, you know, that game in Cleveland was, you know, you're seeing two guys between Kevin Love as a forward and Lonzo Ball as a guard, two guys who outlet the ball up quickly and decisively in ways that generate points as yeah. well as anybody. And yes. Like, you know, Lonzo, part of what Lonzo does so well is simple stuff stuff that seems a simple pass in the half court a quick pass out of the back court or whatever stuff that isn't hyper flashy but it shows really high uh, basketball IQ and you know i think just so much of of allowing him to really thrive is about changing the subject and 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 just making his play and those things that we that people have been focusing on good enough that you can stop talking about. Yeah, it. I mean, there's there's nothing he can do about Lavar. Ultimately, I mean, I sometimes Lavar will tell you there's nothing anybody can right. do about Lavar. But the conversation, even with Lavar doing his things and and inevitably creating headaches at times for the Lakers, the conversation still changes if Lonzo plays like he did on the road. You know, trip. If Stephen A. sitting there on on the radio going, I've I've very worried. Yes, that Lonzo Ball is a bust. Yeah, exactly. You don't have that. Yeah, right. you know. It would in louder. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. I mean, if you're every worried, once in a while when he gets when he really he wants gets worried, to talk to you, he gets a little breathy, a little yeah. breathy. Yeah. Um, all right. So that that's that. I mean, so it was a very it was overall it was a very encouraging road trip. I'm very much looking forward to next week's uh, games in the sense of good games against good teams. Has there ever been like a harder stretch of games in a row? Let's go at Cleveland, uh, home against Golden State, Houston on the road, on the road, Golden State again. Yeah, WTF NBA? It's tough. And you, and after that, you got a Portland game coming up. You got Christmas uh, against the Timberwolves. Merry you Christmas do get a night, what, starting to look like a very winnable game against Memphis. Yeah, those and the Clippers aren't very good. And the Clippers aren't very good. And then you close out December in Houston again, again, just for fun. Happy New Year, right? Um, and the Rockets are. Maze balls right Woo. now. They have not lost, correct, since Chris Paul. I in any game, that. Chris Paul has been available to play. I believe, that lost. Is, I believe that is the case. And in the other ones, they've only lost like they, four times. They, I think at one point had 11 straight wins since Chris Paul returned. Right. Or like 11. Still, yeah. And their average margin of victory is close to 20. So they, good for them. 
I mean, on both sides of the ball, they're they're turning into they're the top very, five defensive team. Yeah, right they now. they've become even if you don't want to say they're Golden State, they're like a they're like a B plus version of Golden State. Are you buying by the before we move on to our 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 non basketball topic for the week? Are you a believer at this point yet that the Lakers are a legit effective defensive team because they're still in the top ten? They slipped a little bit from when they were like three or four. Um, and Lonzo, you know, this Lonzo, I thought Cleveland was one of their best offensive games against a good team. Uh, uh, one of their better offensive games they've had all year. It's the reminder, folks. The offense is what is keeping them from being effective night to night. They are a bad offensive team, bottom five in the league. So if they got up to, I don't know, 18, are you a believer that this defense is because they've not been this high since the Dwight year. I yeah, I mean that was the last time the Lakers were even close to this good defense. I'll say this much, I believe that they can I mean no trades or anything like that that might alter who right. they put on the floor. Sure. But if, so, if it's just this, this group, group, I think they can finish in the top half for defensive efficiency. I agree. Which would be a I I, I actually agree. Like that in and of itself should win Luke coach of the year. Like if you manage to make that happen, but if you look at the personnel that I think are are driving a lot of this. Julius Randle's defensive improvement is real. Mm-hmm. That is real. You see the way he defends pick and roll. You see the way he defends the lane. That's not a blip. That's real. Josh Hart is a really good yeah, defender. Help, for, particularly for his age, but he's a, he's a helpful guy. Lonzo's played well. Kuzma is heady for, again, a rookie yeah, I mean, player. He makes, he makes some mistakes. But, but, you know, but he's at KCP. KCP is, you know, plays hard defensively. Right, Lopez is not problematic back there at all. No, I, except when LeBron's coming at him in the lane. You get <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. I have never seen anybody just concede a dunk with that much YOLO than Lopez seeing LeBron coming at him full head of steam and literally just walking in the opposite direction. Yeah, he uh, just walked the hell on out. Bleep that. No, oh, no, I'm I don't blame him. him. No, I'm not hanging out for that. I, I don't blame him at all. Um, and also, too, uh, Ingram has become really good yeah. at using you know what, his length you know to be disruptive. You know what it is? is the They're Lakers, switchable now. The, They're switchable. The Lakers put together a team. I, I agree. The Lakers put together a team offensively where – there's a lot of redundancy in what people are good at. They have some guys who are pretty good in isolation who can break stuff down or whatever. They have nobody who can shoot the ball. So they, you know, so the, their weaknesses are magnified because everyone's got the same weaknesses. Their positives are, you know, oh, there's too much overlap. Defensively, though, there's some redundancy that's good, right? They they kind of whether on purpose or accidentally they put together a team that's actually incredibly flexible and allows them. When they added KCP, who can kind of bolster the Jordan Clarkson, give some support to Lonzo thing and whatever, and Lopez is better inside than Mozgov was last year, they've got all this now, this ability to be very flexible on that side, and guys were working harder and they understand it better. So I agree with you. I think they can, I think they can stay up there. And that's kind of remarkable. Uh, all right. Let's get into this. Did you know, Andy, that today, they are releasing a new Star Wars movie. Wait, what? Yes. I today, didn't... No, today is... And we would play the music, but we're not allowed. I did not even realize that the franchise had been revived. No, the it has. <laughs> I didn't even like know. The, this is, they even had one a couple years ago. I had no idea. All right, so there's a new Star Wars movie out today. Um, we Neither one of us have seen it. I'm going to go next week. A couple things I want to start with. The first one is, anytime a new movie comes out, there's all kinds of lists and people start ranking the, the 
the episode, you know, the episodes and the different movies and all that. Quick, your top three. My top three? Yes. Um, of the whole franchise. Of the whole franchise. Uh, okay. number one would be Empire. Number two would be Star Wars and Andy, episode four, oh, A so, New Hope. Oh, my God. Stop. <laughs> stop. What are you, freaking cats? It's like, uh, episode four, uh, Episode Andy. four. They're, they're all Star Wars, they're, Andy. They're, they're all Star Wars. At, at least, if you're not going to say episode four, at least bring in A New, new hope. hope. I mean, at least give it that type of respect. These 100 tacos should sustain <laughs> me through this Doctor Who uh, festival. Number one for me, Empire. Number two would be Star Wars, A New Hope. And then, <laughs> to be, I mean, if I'm really going to be honest, number three is Return of the Jedi. Right. So you're basically just... Those ones. Well, I mean, I would go. Okay. Empire. We don't have to. We can, but we don't have to. Rogue One. And then original, like uh, a new hope, a new hope, a new hope. Um, I liked Rogue One. I thought it took way too long to get going. Put a pin in this. Okay. And we'll come back to it because it's relevant to a conversation I want to have. I hate that expression. Mm -hmm. Put a pin in this. Uh, but one of the lists that got our attention. Most things you put a pin in, they pop. Yeah. Stupid. Um, just we'll come back to it. Yeah. The one of the lists that we saw was a list of the 40 greatest Star Wars characters. Mm-hmm. And this is USA Today. USA Today. Not surprisingly, Darth Vader wins. Of course. Now, any disagreement there? No. No. Number two, Han Solo. No disagreement. He'd be my number two. Number three, Princess Leia? Sure. Sure. I can live with she, that. She's a top tenner. All right. You got <laughs> There's no question. I mean, it's sort of like, she's the, in, you remember the Paul George debate we had? Like, right. you know, he's, she's not in the elite, you know, Darth Vader, uh, Han Solo group, but she's somewhere in that next group. She's you know. in the top ten. Like, you know what? I'll say this. I'll say this. She's in the top seven. I don't I know if she can, I don't know if she can carry a galaxy, but you, you, she could be part of building a galaxy, a galaxy around her. Uh, yeah, a galaxy winning team. She could <laughs> she could be a great complement to a character that can uh carry a galaxy. Right. Luke 4, Yoda sure. fine 5. All right. This is where these kinds of lists become problematic because people who make them feel like they have to pay homage mm-hmm. to the new ones. Yes. Because they've got, they don't want it to be too predictable, right? Or feel like they're being too retro, or feel like they, you know they're not hip enough, whatever, right? Or acknowledging that the old ones are just better than the new ones. Okay, so here we go. Now it's six is Kylo Ren. Hell no. Go bleep yourself. Hell no. The the best moment Kylo Ren has ever had on screen was a SNL sketch where he was the this the boss, the undercover boss. Yes. Um, you know, never was. It's Kylo Ren. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Craig or whatever the yes. name. Is. It, we're, it's Kylo Ren. No, Kylo Ren is not. You cannot build around Kylo Ren. No, it, emo, I have a feeling. I have a feeling. By the way, the characters in Star Wars are going to eventually learn you can't build right, around emo Kylo Vader. Ren. And then they go with like Ray, who is better. Should be above. At the very least, should be above Kylo. Yeah, but Ren. you know what? Ray Ray's a good character. It's too early. It's much too early. And frankly, if I may, and this this might be an unpopular thing to say, this feels a little bit like forced feminism. I'm being honest, it, no, it, it, because she's a really popular character, and I get it, and Daisy Ridley was really good, and she's charismatic, and I think she's a great addition. It feels a little bit like you want to make sure there's two women in the top ten, because it hasn't been long enough. She's only been around one Right, and the only, the only other real option there is Jyn Erso right. from Rogue One, who's also, it's a, it's a See, good I think, character and a good performance, but it's only one Well, apparently movie. in this new one, there's a, like, I want to say a female mechanic character. There are a couple. And who's then, supposed uh, to be awesome. And uh, Laura Dern is in it, too. She's got a role. Well, she's low-ranked in this. Captain Phasma, 
I think is a woman. Well, all, all I see is the very least voiced by a woman. I would say this rather than put Ray in now, because again, she could be there. I just feel like it's too early. I would have devoted some space in this list just to note more female characters, please. Like, yeah. you know, the, the galaxy far, far away kind of show this. Both of them above Obi-Wan? No. Although we we did criticize Ray for only being in one movie. No, I didn't criticize it for only being in one movie. I said it's too soon. Oh, too soon. We know the resonance of Obi-Wan Kenobi, and he also appeared in flashback in in <laughs> Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back. And Remember technically we- in the in the and that it, stupid episode one. Although Ewan McGregor was really good as him. Ewan McGregor was, yeah, he was. very good. Yeah. I think when you start getting down into this list, and it... Number nine is, uh, just to clean out the top ten, number nine is the Emperor. Yeah, he's good. He's good. Yeah. Um, and then number ten is Admiral Akbar, which I gotta be honest, that feels more like everybody enjoying It's a Trap. Yeah. I mean, he's a fine character. I have no problem with him being like in the top twenty-five. But he's not. He's not, he's not is, top is, ten. Is Admiral Akbar better than Boba Fett? No, no. Although Boba Fett's an interesting character in the sense that he's, I think, really cool. But also, nobody knows what the hell he does. <laughs> no, like he's a bounty hunter. He's a bounty hunter. He hunts I'm just, bounties. I'm just saying, like he's Boba Fett. He's sort of this urban legend who hasn't really done anything. Like when you really break down what Boba Fett has done. Other than track Han Solo he's, to best, you know, he's, he's Jeff Green. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's he's overpaid. Everybody kind of wants him for a reason. Then you get him, and you're like, "I'm not getting any results." And then you end up in the Sarlacc. You know, when he's Boba Fett is Jeff Green. That's really funny. Um, you know, but the, you know, Lando is 15. That's way too low. That's way Lando. too low. They man. Below Poe Dameron. Come on. Stupid. Um, but anyway, but what you start to when you start to scroll up, and they've got like Chewbacca at seventeen. That's way too low. I agree. I mean, that's way too low. BB-8 at nineteen, a little too high. But you start getting like number twenty-four, Padme Amidala, which is uh, what's her face? Isn't um, that Luke's grandma? His granny? Right, played by uh, the no, no, Smee's his granny. No, Padme. Padme is is uh, Anakin's. What's the actress? I don't know. No, you do. Oh, oh, uh, is it, it's Natalie Portman. She, Natalie Portman. Thank right. you. She's a very famous person. Um, you know, Mace Windu. That's mm-hmm. Sam Jackson. He's. I mean, he's cool. He's Sam Jackson. General Hux. I have no idea who that is. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, no, I know who General Hux is. He's the guy from uh, Rogue One. Mm-hmm. He's the enemy in Rogue One. But like Mon Mothma. Shrug emoji. I mean, here's here's ultimately when you start getting into the 30s and like the late 30s and up to 40, what you're really doing is shoving in different characters so you don't have to include Jar Jar Binks. Yes, because I mean that's because re- they have Porkins. You know, remember, yes. remember good, and they have uh, they have Wedge and right. they have Porkins and again Porkins. And I will give them credit. I do not know if this was intentional. I hope it was. Porkins was the fattest pilot in <laughs> the original Star Wars, and to name yes. him. Porkins don't mean <laughs> both mean but funny. Yes, it is. Porkins was the fat guy trying to drive a Lamborghini. You're wondering how exactly he's going to fit in the cockpit, but he did. Um, so that's cool. Good for them for that. I don't think you could do that anymore. But that leads me. Has to the this. entire galaxy become such snowflakes <laughs> that you can't name the fat pilot Porkins? Yeah, like I, I mean not. that that as much as I hate the whole snowflake thing, that might be a little snowflakey. 
I mean, that's a little. I mean, the whole galaxy's become pretty snowflakey. All right, so let me let's let me get to this part because I feel you will appreciate because I have a specific question for you that I think you will appreciate based on what the the thing I'm going the the following question I'm going to before you uh, ask this question. I just want to note one thing, um, even through even with the caveat of neither one of us really care about the list. How the hell does Greedo not end up in there? Greedo has cultural relevance. I mean, there's been he a debate does, about. But is he really a character? Yes. I mean, I... yeah, he's a character. Of course, he's a character. No, but like, he doesn't. There has been a do debate. Much. There has been a debate for forty years over if you who can, shot first. If you can put Porkins. I mean, in. Wh- I mean, <laughs> no, you're right. If Porkins is good enough to be thirty-eight, Greedo. I mean, can a- be after in. you know the the redone version where Greedo shot first, which uh, is worse. Uh, I mean, it's terrible. It's terrible. But Greedo had. You all, Greedo should be in there because otherwise you wouldn't have even cared who shot first. Well, somebody would have been in that scene if it wasn't. The point is, if somebody, it could have been anybody in that scene. Greedo, Greedo, Greedo himself. It wasn't the Greedo ness of the scene that made it interesting. It was just that somebody shot at Han Solo you first. It doesn't, but it didn't have to be Greedo. Well, Han it could shot have been first. anybody, right? But it didn't have to be. Greedo specifically. It doesn't That's matter. I, it doesn't matter. Are you telling me that Greedo is not more memorable than whoever director Orson Krennic is? Come I believe on. he is somebody who directed. I don't care who he is. I don't <laughs> he direct, care. He directed who he is. the third film, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care who he, he is. He runs the cinema on the Death Star. <laughs> I mean, come He's on. Respond. He is their social media director. I'm sorry. Greedo should have made it. But anyway, continue he, he, the question. He directs their PR films. Um, anyway, all right, so here's here's the thing. So you start you go through this list and what becomes abundantly clear is first of all almost nobody from the first 3 movie the for the the prequels episodes 1, 2 and 3 end up on this list. No. Almost none of them. Um and if they do they're way the hell up there. So that's the that's a thing. The new characters granted we're older, we're from the older generation. We are obviously going to identify more with uh, the the older characters. My seven year old thinks Poe Dameron is cool. How good, from a movie standpoint, how good is the actual Star Wars brand? Because remember, a few minutes ago, I ranked my three favorite Star Wars films: Return of the Jedi, Rogue One. And then the original Star Wars. You mean Empire, not Return. I'm sorry, Empire, Rogue One, original Star Wars, and then it would be Return, and then um, maybe maybe Force Awakens, Mm -hmm. and then the first three because Force Awakens wasn't very good, but it was it was a whole lot better than the other ones. How good is this actual thing? There are seven of these now, right? Seven or eight or whatever. I believe there are eight. eight, and this is the ninth. Yeah, there were three originals, then three, three middles, prequels. and then we've had Force Awakens, Rogue One, and this will be this, the ninth. Okay. How many Fast and Furious movies are there? There are eight. From a filmmaking standpoint, just a, a, a quality from beginning to end, which set of movies has more good movies in it? Are you asking me as... I'm asking you as a person who can honestly evaluate movies. Okay, I was going to say, are you asking me as a movie geek or are you asking me as somebody recording this uh, on a Disney podcast? No, I'm asking you as a movie geek. Um, You know the answer. Well, look, quality of film is a really subjective thing when you're asking me to compare this against Fast and the Furious. But you understand... understand If you're asking me which I think is a more entertaining, entertaining, better done, fun movies. Okay, 
Empire Strikes Back is, as a film, be- the best of either lot. Correct. Empire Strikes Back is the best made, <clears throat> excuse me, from a filmmaking standpoint, not without opinion, a question, than any of the films. If you're looking at what has been the more entertaining franchise in terms of consistency, start to finish, more reliable, I would say it's Fast, it's and, Fast and Furious. And it's not even close. Fast and the Furious has one major clunker, in my opinion. In That's the Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift. Terrible. I, I, I drifted off. Right. I, I always think of it as the one that makes you drift. And I thought the the seventh one was kind of underwhelming. It had one of the greatest trailers I've ever seen. That's the seven is the one where the guy goes from the the is that when he goes from the helicopter to the building. Or basically, the building? he's just driving a car through through different buildings. buildings he's right. just basically he goes, just driving like from like skyscraper to a helicopter sky, or yeah. something. Right, skyscraper yeah. to skyscraper to skyscraper. The the movie itself I found a little bit underwhelming, but I think as a whole, the Fast and the Furious franchise that franchise is, is better. But that is also in part because the middle part of the Star Wars franchise really dragged it down. I mean, it really, truly dragged it, it down. It did, but but the other thing about it is, too, and this is what I find fascinating about it, Force Awakens, I saw Force Awakens in the theater, I took my kids, they enjoyed it, I sat through it, I thought it was a fun movie when I sat through it. The second time I saw it, I was, I mean, I, even the first time I was like, I'm just not going to think. That just happened. I'm not going to think very hard about that. The second time I saw it, you kind of can't ignore those things because nothing's surprising you anymore or whatever. It doesn't hold up at all, Force Awakens. Well, the, pro- really, the biggest Because it's a remake of the I was going to say, the biggest problem is it's a remake of Star Wars. Whereas Rogue One, I've actually watched that. I think I've seen Rogue One like three or four times. I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed it and I kind of found more stuff in it as I went back and watched it again. The original Star Wars, I'm willing to give kind of a break, you know, episode four, give kind of a break just because of, you know, it's been around so long, you can pick it apart, you can do all sure. kinds of stuff, whatever. That's, a that's it, especially for its time. Yes. But once you get past that, Return of the Jedi is half a good movie. Yes. Um, and the other ones aren't, the, for, I mean, look, there the, are four movies in this franchise that aren't good. The, the middle ones... I mean, I would really need to look at them again, whether I want to or not. To have like a f- no, don't. Okay, I'm just saying because I, I, to some degree, I don't even remember. Like so, the fifth and the sixth, I barely remember. So my qu- the, the next question is, why has Star Wars still? Be, why does Star Wars endure in the way that it does? Given that most people, even like fans of the franchise, most people agree that the middle three movies were terrible. The Force Awakens, I think people. I think benefited from as uh, W would have called it the soft bigotry of low expectations because it didn't suck. People were like, great. Why is this franchise endured in a way that others might not have, despite the fact that the actual products haven't been very good for, there was a long gap between the last good movie and rogue one. Yeah. I mean, which isn't technically part of the, Story. Right, it's it's a story. It's a it's one-off. A, yeah, it's a standalone story. I I think it's in part. Um, you hit it on it already. I mean, you keep bringing in new generations. Like you know, your your kids don't have really anything to compare it against. Even if they've seen Star Wars or Empire or whatever, and I know I know they've seen some of it because my daughter right, they've seen watched Star, it they watched Star, yeah they've watched Star Wars and they've but, watched Empire. But f- from their perspective, it's basically a brand new experience. So they're not judging it against anything 
that we're judging it against, and they're not judging it, and I think this is really important, against any of the nostalgia that we have for the opening trio. I also think, too, with Star Wars, and, you know, granted, it came out when I was five, so I don't remember all of the marketing around it, and I know it turned into an absolute marketing boon. You know, there's still Star Wars figures buried in the yard of our parents' old house. <laughs> yes, there are. But Star Wars, I think, I think uh, whatever studio put it out, or 20th Century 20th Fox, Fox. When, they, when they put it out, I think they felt like they'd have a hit. They had no idea that oh, it was well, going to be this big. None. And I think audiences were, in some ways, the same way, too. I know it became a phenomenon really quickly, but it wasn't a brand when it began. So for people of our age range, roughly, you know, whether even a little bit older, a little bit younger, when they saw this movie for the first time, there was an unexpected thrill to it. And, you know, as corny as this might even sound, like sort of an innocence to it, because it wasn't seen as a brand. It was seen as just this unexpected, wonderful experience. And that's rare. Particularly, it's increasingly rare in an age where all we get now are franchise temple right. movies. And I also think our loyalty, generationally, our loyalty is based in part because it's it's not a cartoon. It's one sure. of their, it's, it's, you know, part of the reason I think we hated other than the scripts are terrible and the acting's bad that we didn't like the, the prequels is because they're gigantic cartoons. Yeah. It's George Lucas saying, look what I can do with my shiny toys. And by the way, because of it, those movies hold up far worse. You know, all the stuff that he added in the re, the reissues of the originals, like the little digital stuff that he added, like the Bantha's walking through and Jabba talking to Hana. None of that stuff holds up. Well, it's also too because I, it looks fake now because we've gotten so much further past that. I think also too. I mean, when you really start peeling back the layers of the onion with this, when you, when you look at when Star Wars hit, this is you know a couple years after Jaws, and during this shift where you know, Spielberg and Lucas were really reinventing movies when it came to the idea of like popcorn movies and event right. movies. So something like Star Wars was an event for people who experienced it the first time around. You know, it was an event that you'd never, you'd never been a part but, of. Okay, before. but all that, all but that you is ha- true. But and I'm why, saying you hang on to that. Sure, but why didn't the the terribleness of the of the three movies in between, and even the the general averageness of the Force Awakens? Why it has done almost no damage to the brand. It, the brand has endured to the point, and I think it's cool. I like the world of Star Wars or whatever. I just think it's a it, it's it's fascinating. I don't know the answer. Well, I'm I think just, it's I'm also just, I'm too, talking it's through this. My understanding. It's also you know you've got all these other things like Star Wars books, Star Wars comic books. My you know, kids all, got into Star Wars from watching Lego Star Wars, right? So, which is a really so funny show. All, by the there way, there are all these different. Uh, avenues and through ways to get into Star Wars. So if those things maintain high quality, and I've heard that they do, in some ways... Lego they, Star Wars is fantastic. But right. So in some ways, they actually offset what, that might, be be, what might be, I guess, averageness of The Force Awakens. And there's, like still, that. and there's still such a, a familiarity and appeal to the world of The Force yes. and Obi-Wan. And all, you know, in the same way that, you know, it took the kids again. It took them to Harry Potter land. It's like, it's just, it's Certain things, tra- you know, become larger than the movie. The characters, they become kind of cultural symbols. There's obviously an enthusiasm that parents have to want to share it with their kids, and I get all that. But I just think it's amazing that this thing where they're building in Disneyland, Disney, both of the Disney, you know, these giant Star Wars where we we talked about a few weeks ago about that that 
all-encompassing like Star Wars hotel experience mm-hmm. that they're building, where you're going to like go live on a space base where you can't like you don't see out the window to the sun, you see stars, and I'll be like, it's it's just amazing to me that the brand has transcended in the story and the world, similar to Avatar, I guess you could say, because they're building Avatar Land and all that in ways that go so far beyond the quality of the product that they're that that created creates it. Well, it's I just it's, it's fascinating. Well, I I would say too. I mean to. Put a, we, pin, right. to put a put pin a pin in this. In this. We'll, no, 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 Andy, we're not putting a pin. Put in a it. button on it. We're buttoning it. We'll put we're a putting button a buttoning this up. Right. I would say that for you know the hardcore Star Wars fans, whether they like what's going on or not, they're so they're so caught up in this, and they're so invested. They're going to see everything no matter what, because this is their right. world. Like I mean, this no, is their right. passion. But then for other people like you and me who like it. You know, we're not we're not the people who attend Comic Con in, in in cosplay, but we like it. If something no, like, we're not. <laughs> if something like Force Awakens, for example, is good enough, then I think in a lot of ways, the Force Awakens can still basically generate feelings that are similar to comfort food. And there, there's a comfort a food, it. there's a comfort food feeling to something like Star Wars, especially just because. Being a part of either The Last Jedi or Force Awakens, if you like it enough, it takes you back to what you love. I will say, I still get excited when I hear... I was like 15 before I realized that they played the theme to, you know, that the theme to 20th Century Fox wasn't automatically followed by... I didn't know... I just assumed it was all part of the same yeah. thing. That's how deeply ingrained, like, the whole thing is. Um, and I... And so I, I I get excited. When I saw that on a big screen, you know, again, even for Force Awakens, it okay, still works. Again, it still it's works. Se- it's yeah. sense memory. It's reliving of experience. And again, it's comfort food. Yeah. I mean, particularly, right. Brian, you may have noticed, we live in troubling times. We do. And in troubling times, if you can get a decent Star Wars movie... That takes you back we'll to a time see. when you were too young to realize that there were troubles in the world. A lot of people seem to like it. Um, Although right now we're Bergman, dealing with right Bergman Sausage Jeans, the producer of the Mason Island Show, Greg Bergman. He did not like it, and Jeff Katz, our former colleague at ESPNLA, hated it. Well, we're starting to actually, I think, to get into like the, the backlash, backlash because the early word on it was berserk good. Yeah, this is where I feel like Mino Hassan loved it. This is where I feel like my approach to these types of things which is i'm not getting into the weeds of this that whatever did it entertain me or did it not entertain me works really well this is why i stay off chat boards for shows i like i don't go on game of thrones boards either entertain me or it didn't i don't you know it's fine so I, we're gonna see it next week and uh, you're welcome to come and uh hopefully it's good and me then, not all of you right no all of you all of you <laughs> and we'll have kobe's uh retired jersey retirement on monday that's That'll exciting, exciting. We'll be jersey's back. retirement we'll be back uh Tuesday as well with Kevin Arnovitz talking basketball and Tootsie. Excellent. Um, also, to shout out to uh, Young Frankenstein, 43 years ago today. Released. Oh, I uh, wanted to let people know if they have not heard it. Uh, speaking of anniversaries, uh, the 40th anniversary of Saturday Night Fever was yesterday, and I interviewed Jod Badham, the director of the movie, Talked about uh, just its cultural resonance, uh, John Travolta. Yep, we'll put that back out. Yeah, so definitely want to listen to that if, you, if you're if you a fan of uh, either that period of film or Saturday Night Fever itself. There you go. All right, we'll be back next week. See everyone, Lynn.